Welcome to Financial Frameworks Podcast 21, Holding On to Your Savings. We previously talked about stocks and bonds as ways to do this. Today, we're considering savings accounts and CDs. Financial Frameworks' goal is to help you increase your financial decision-making skills by building on what you already know. This approach to finance is sound fundamentals with a practical bent so that you have a solid learning experience. You'll have a better chance of sticking with the plan if you know why you're doing it, you believe in it, and the techniques make sense to you. So that's what we do here. Previous podcasts have focused on savings and how to hang on to them during inflationary times. We'll continue that theme by moving from stocks and bonds to talk about the pluses and minuses of savings accounts and CDs. We'll also talk about something that's gotten buried in the last couple of podcasts, but I think should always be in the forefront of your mind, compound interest. I think it should be part of your breakfast every morning and how you look at it and look for it when you're examining savings methods. Okay, so we will start with basic descriptions of what we're talking about, savings accounts and CDs, and then we'll look at some unique characteristics that people often overlook that should be part of your thinking. So, savings accounts. The major advantages of savings accounts are guarantees that there will be no loss of principal. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC, insures $250,000 per depositor per insured bank, per category of deposit. So you could have multiple accounts and be insured for more than $250,000. Secondly, the deposits and withdrawals are easy. There's flexibility whether you're using a traditional financial institution or some sort of non-bank financial institution. And mostly I'm talking about brick and mortar savings institutions. I'm somewhat conservative. I'm more familiar with those. That's what my research is focused on. But I'm also including a post on my website to NerdWallet. It has a good summary of traditional and non-traditional savings accounts for your further information. So those are the pluses of traditional savings accounts deposits. The primary drawback is that the rates are low. Current non-term savings accounts range from a half a percent to some institutions are very aggressive at 3%, but there's some uh, stipulations there. So your average local savings bank is around a half a percent or a 1%, which is considerably below inflation. And even though the Fed is raising base interest rates, a lot of conservative or smaller institutions are very slow to pass those gains along to depositors. Okay, CDs or Certificates of Deposit. Investopedia defines a Certificate of Deposit as a savings product that earns interest on a lump sum for a fixed period of time. That's a nice, neat, and concise definition. So my first question is, why would I do a CD rather than a straight savings account? The primary reason is that the interest rate is usually higher. A bank is willing to pay you more because they have your deposit, which they can use for other purposes, for a fixed period of time. They can count on that money being there at the rate that they're paying you. So that makes planning easier for them. So they'll pay you a higher rate because you're leaving it there for a while. It's as safe as a savings account. It's a conservative investment. 
it's uh, safer than stocks or bonds because you're offered a guaranteed return and you'll get your principal back. There are a wide variety of CDs, term lengths, three months, six months, year, two years. Additionally, nationally available, and I'm quoting from, from Investopedia, nationally available CD rates are typically three to five times higher than the industry average for every term. So shopping around can deliver significant gains. I will post uh, the citation. It's a good article. So again, it's a conservative investment. It's safe and you get a guaranteed return on your money. So let's do a quick review comparing the numbers. Stocks, average gain of 11.2% annually is the historical average. But as we noted earlier, these are not average times. There is the potential loss of principal and you don't know how long it will take for the principal to return to its value. And in the case of some stocks, it may not. Number two, treasury bonds. Historical average gains are four to 6%. And there is the possibility of losing some principal if you're not holding the treasury bond to maturity. Today's treasury notes, bills, and bonds rates range from 3.5% to 4.75%. Certificates of deposit. They're a higher rate than savings accounts. And right now they're in the two and a half to three and a half percent range. They're not quite as safe as treasury bonds, but they will pay you more than savings accounts. And then finally, savings accounts. My review of local and national interest rates showed current rates of one half of 1% to up to 3% for the most aggressive type of savings account. So now let's talk about how you think about making these choices. We've done the numbers. We've given you the basic characteristics in the last two podcasts. And afterwards, we'll talk about including compound interest in your thinking. So let's say that you're sitting in your living room and you decide to do a plus minus list, comparing stocks, bonds, savings accounts, and CDs. I'm a big believer in plus minus lists. They're very simple, but they tease out your thinking and your values. It's not just an arithmetic formula. So your list contains the information that we've just listed. And you're now focused on what do I really think about these things and what is a reasonable amount of risk and return for, we'll say you have $10,000 to invest. At first you look at each of them separately and then you say, hmm, maybe I should do some in separate areas, some into stocks and bonds and some into savings accounts or some into a CD and some into a treasury bond. This is what I would call creating a financial value integration matrix. And we'll use a hypothetical friend of mine who is not hypothetical at all. He's a former student and he's pretty conservative. So he's useful for this discussion. The other thing about this person is he is one of the most consistent human beings I know in terms of acting on his values. During class, I was making a point about foreign exchange and foreign trade and how much we buy from China because it's cheaper. The flip side of that is it costs American jobs. And that was the point that I was making. And I suggested that if everybody removed all their clothing that uh, came from 
somewhere outside of the United States, we'd all be pretty chilly. And then since I like to ask questions and not make assumptions, I asked if anybody could state with confidence that most of what they were wearing came from the U.S. And this person stood up and he could prove where his jeans, where his shirt, et cetera, came from. Very consistent with his values because he believes in in uh, supporting employment in the United States. So we'll use him as our example. And he sits down in his living room and he asks himself four questions. Number one, what portion of my $10,000 am I willing to lose? Number two, what is the minimum amount I am willing to accept for a gain? Number three, what time period am I talking about? And slightly differently, but a separate question. Number four, might I need to access the $10,000 sometime soon? So here's his answers. What is he willing to lose? None or very little, certainly no more than $250. Number two, what is he willing to accept as a minimum gain? So he thinks about his food costs. He thinks they'll continue to drop since the last inflation report was 7.7%, which is down. And my friend is very good at finding ways to minimize his grocery bills through coupons, uh, grocery store specials, et cetera, et cetera. So he believes that his food costs will probably increase this year and next year at around 3%. He also believes that gasoline will not increase. And this is all opinion on his part but it won't go lower than say $3.29 a gallon. So he believes he needs to have a four to a four and a half percent return for his funds to not lose too much to inflation. So he says, okay, four to 6%. That's my range that I'm thinking about. Number is question number three answer the time period. He's willing to invest this money for two years, mostly because he says he can't think beyond two years. Anything beyond that is fuzzy and it gets lost in the clouds. So he'll say two years because that's clear to him. He really likes to be clear. Number four, might he need to access the $10,000 soon? Because of his housing situation, because of a number of things, he sees no real need for the money for that two-year period. He does understand that rates may continue to rise because the Federal Reserve has committed to reducing inflation. So he will not make his investment until after the next Federal Reserve meeting to see if rates for the four alternatives we've talked about go up. His conclusion, and he writes all this stuff down, he makes notes so that he can remember what his thinking was. Not so much because of the details, but he wants to understand what his thinking was because this guy is a real learner. He concludes that safety is more important than growth, but some growth is necessary. He doesn't really have any tolerance for losing any of his money, and he thinks in two-year increments. Because he believes that inflation for the things that he's going to be buying, and because he and his wife are pretty frugal, he thinks that a CD at a national bank that has local offices, which he trusts, is the place for his money 
and he's identified one that will pay him four and a quarter percent. So with that, he goes online, starts looking around and sees that he's not finished with his homework. Just when he thought he was home free, they moved the finish line. That often happens in life. God bless us. As he did his research, he needed to distinguish between offers that showed an APR interest rate and an APY interest rate, annual percentage rate versus annual percentage yield. He figured out in pretty short order that APR is a simple interest rate calculation. It's not a compounding interest rate. And he looked up in Investopedia and they agreed with him. An APY rate should be a compounded rate, but in reading the fine print for one of the banks he was considering, it's a national bank with local offices, they stated what the interest rate was and then they stated what the APY rate was and they're compounding, but the rate was not higher than another rate, which was an APR. This friend, former student, used to tell me that he was tired of hearing about compound interest in class. He said that I repeated the mantra so often that it showed up when he was trying to fall asleep. And while it wasn't unpleasant, he really preferred to be thinking of other things for a pleasant night's sleep. So he has chosen a vehicle with some compounding, the 4.25, but it's at a slower rate, but it's better than another bank who compounded more frequently, but the total dollar return was less. He then asked himself a second question. He said to himself, Lee Han often talked about shooting for the 12% return as a goal that would produce sufficient funds for his retirement. And so he asked himself the question, will I have enough funds sitting around when I get ready to retire if I don't go any higher than 4.25% with all of my savings money? And he concluded that he wasn't sure. So he committed to sailing into the wind with his next $10,000 and consider investing in the stock or treasury bond market under two conditions. Number one, when he, when he felt confident that the markets would be less volatile than they are right now. And secondly, that he have enough knowledge under his belt that he felt very confident in what he was investing in, a la Warren Buffett. Very, very sure that his return would be solid and that over time it would produce the 12%. Since he doesn't have the $10,000 in hand right now and he'll be saving for a while, he has time. And most importantly, he has committed himself to learning about things that he is not sure about right now is somewhat suspicious of, but he will go through the learning exercise. He's a smart person. Okay, with that example, I will now give you a couple of questions for you to consider to balance safety and growth for yourself. It involves understanding your values, applying sound financial concepts, and paying attention to the details of each financial transaction. So here are your questions and problems as you figure out how to hold on to what you've saved. Question one, would you consider a hybrid approach to saving and investing? 
For example, using $5,000 as a hypothetical amount, would you consider dividing that fund into two or three pots, one designated really safe, a second designated balanced growth and safety, say something that pays 6 to 8%, corporate bonds or a high dividend large capitalization stock, or a third bucket labeled growth containing something like an Apple stock or something like it that is supposed to increase in value significantly over time. Your answer to the question can't be just yes or no. You have to answer with your reasons for each bucket, like my friend, or reasons for considering a hybrid approach overall. My second question for you has a couple of parts. It has to do with implementing your financial plans in terms of your values. The question arose because I recently read, reread actually, a section of a book recommended to me by a friend. The book is entitled The Millionaire Next Door, and I will post the uh, reference on my website, finframeworks.com. I highly recommend it to you. And the section was about a gentleman who was having difficulties with his condominium association because they didn't like his dog. And the point of the article was about what his dog was worth to him. It detailed the difficulties with the other condominium owners who disliked his dog and concludes with a dollars and cents point. The gentleman in the story, after embarrassing the other residents because of their pettiness, chose to sell his condominium at somewhat of a loss because he couldn't stand the other people anymore. This reading this caused me to think about applying one's values when planning and investing. And that breaks down into two very practical and important questions, especially going forward in this very changing world. My first question for you is, have you considered sustainable or green or targeted investing as a place for your savings? I asked this question here in our discussion of savings accounts and CDs because many of you listening to this will be inclined to balance safety and growth evenly, which means you'll be placing savings, not just in CDs or savings accounts. You will have gotten that far in your analysis and you will have said, well, maybe I need a little bit higher than my friend whom I described to you. So when doing that, you need to go one layer deeper. What things are really important to me and should my financial plan be aligned with those beliefs? My second question is, assuming you are willing to consider this avenue of investment, or you have already, my question is, do the same metrics for safety and growth apply to this newer area of investing, or will you develop slightly different criteria or a different set of benchmarks? Those are valid questions because they're very personal questions. And this is the part where you have to pay attention to the details. Is there some way that you can ensure your safety of your investment and still achieve the growth that you need in new areas of sustainable investing or tar targeted investing? I'll end with those questions and that's where we'll start next time. I will have my usual set of definitions. I will have a set of questions for you. And I will try to provide some insightful techniques that you can use in answering those questions. Again, balancing safety and growth. 
Thank you for listening to Financial Frameworks. As always, I hope that this has been useful to you, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Mike Lehan, Financial Frameworks. Thank you.